Over the weekend, a group of around 30 neo-Nazis met in a Sydney park wearing all black clothes, balaclavas and masks. They met several times, in fact, attempting to hold rallies to coincide with the Australia Day long weekend to promote an extreme form of white nationalism. The New South Wales Premier, Chris Minns, was quick to condemn their actions, saying the men would be named and shamed. In New South Wales, the police have the right to take off your balaclava, to mm. expose you and your identity so that everyone you know, your family, your friends, your employer, your co-workers will know that you're a racist. Professor Tore Biorgo is a director of the Oslo University Centre for Violent Extremism and he's the pioneer of what's become one of the world's most successful de-radicalisation programs, EXIT. Thank you so much for your time, Professor. Oh, thank you. Today, one of our major newspaper chains has effectively unmasked one of the leaders of this group. They've published his name. They've described him as a tradesperson uh, and a, a father of a toddler. Uh, they've also published a photo of him. Is this a good strategy for neutralizing individuals that hold these beliefs by naming and shaming them? It's uh, very much a double-edged uh, sword because um, it may make it more costly to be part of these kind of activities. Uh, and sometimes it will be so unpleasant that some people may leave. On the other hand, it makes it much more difficult to leave because these people are then publicly known and they are um, they will have a very high barrier to leave because they are they will be kind of stigmatized and they their past will be very much haunt them. So I don't recommend this kind of naming and shaming as a general strategy because uh, it it has uh, unwanted side effects. The double-edged sword's a good analogy because if you wanted attention for your beliefs, this would be a great way to succeed in your aims. Would you agree? Yeah, for the for the group, it's often uh, what they try to do is to attract uh, publicity. They they stage media events. Uh, quite often, the the news media just uh, go into the trap and they they do exactly what these extremists want to give them a lot of publicity, and that may attract recruits and and so on. And it's uh, very hard to to resist for for a news journalist. In this country, in Australia, we have different uh, state police forces which have taken different approaches to these types of threats. For example, in New South Wales, police have been praised uh, for how they've handled the most recent incidents because they prevented this group from reaching the city and effectively interrupted them whilst they were on a train. Other state police forces have been criticised for allowing uh, these uh, types of groups to march through city centres what is the best approach in your view? This is also a dilemma because on one hand, we have the freedom of speech, freedom of expression in a, in a liberal democracy. And that is also something that is a right for these kind of groups we don't like to hear. There is a paradox here because sometimes we can also observe that that if these groups are giving a certain freedom of, of speech, it tends to limit their uh, use of violence. On the other hand, they may also use this freedom of speech to recruit new members. So it's it's uh, not an easy answer to that. Let's go to some of the push factors or sources of this kind of sentiment. What is behind, certainly in the, the European context, the rise of the far right in Europe? What we have seen in Europe is that there have been a decrease in the 
uh, kind of militant, violent, organized groups on the far right during the last uh, decades. Uh, they have actually declined. The levels of violence has declined. But instead, we have seen a rise in the support of right-wing populist parties who have got increased number of votes uh, and increased influence in a number of countries. And some in some countries like uh, Hungary, for example, and uh, Italy, they have uh, reached political power. The question is, what is what is more dangerous for society? A certain level of violence or uh, that these groups get real political impact and can use that that power to restrict the rights of other people, for example. The extreme case is the United States <laughs> with, with Trump. Yeah, indeed. Professor Tore Bjorgo is the director of the Oslo University Center for Violent Extremism. We're discussing ways to combat far-right extremists in the way of the neo-Nazi meetings uh, in Sydney over the weekend. Your approach to de-radicalization, Professor, has become known as EXIT. Uh, It's had a lot of success in Europe and also the US. How would you characterize this approach to engaging with extremist groups? What we found out and what I found out in my research is that there are actually quite a few people who want to leave these movements. It's a quite unpleasant place to be. They have some kind of of expectation that this would be comradeship and and a good place to be, but quite often it's uh, they they are disillusioned, and quite many of them really want to leave, and some do on their own, but others feel they are stuck because they uh, are afraid of betraying their friends. They maybe have got enemies from the outside, or they fear that they will get uh, problems with the police. So there is a lot of barriers to leave, and what we try to do with the the exit programs was to provide viable and realistic alternatives to help them to reduce the barriers for leaving by helping them to get a safe environment, new alternative social networks, these kind of things. So we started in Norway in 1996-97. That idea spread first to Sweden, which uh, succeeded actually more than we did in in practice. They spread from there to exit Germany, and then we have have now exit programs uh, all over the world. We also see that this kind of thinking has also taken hold in counter-terrorism, where also disengagement and de-radicalization is part of the uh, kind of preventive violent extremism approach used for all kinds of violent extremist movements. Do you think in the case of the weekend's events in Australia and uh, what appears to be uh, a small but growing contingent of uh, extreme far-right groups in Australia that perhaps an exit program may be warranted here or it hasn't crossed that threshold in terms of violent crimes yet to warrant it? It wasn't the extremist or the right-wing extremist group weren't huge in Norway either when we started. What we could see was that there were people inside these groups who wanted to get out. People have to want to get out in order to be helped this way. So, uh, so I don't think you can sort of force de-radicalization on them. There are quite a lot of people who want to change. They see that there is um, there is another life outside, and they would uh, like to leave that life they're living now. And and uh, with all this misery that it is to be a member of an extremist violent group, and that in turn may reduce the size of these groups. It uh, can help to to reduce recruitment. Yeah, I think it would be a good idea to try it out in Australia as well. Professor Tore Bjorko is the director of the University of Oslo Centre for Violent Extremism. Very nice to talk to you. Thank you for your time. 
glad to, that you listen. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.